Hey everyone, it's Paul from God We Heaven. Wanted to send a quick message of love and light to all of our listeners during these challenging and dark times. Uh, take care of yourselves, uh, take care of your families, take care of your neighbors, take care of your community. Uh, be easy on yourself, be patient, um, be kind. Uh, unless someone gets in your personal space and then tell them to back the fuck up. Um, the episode you're about to listen to is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done on Godwin Evan. Uh, we talked to Eric Slick from Dr. Dog. He is funny and engaging and charming uh, and really just a beautiful person, and I'd like him to be my, uh, my best friend. Um, speaking of beautiful people, have you guys seen Will Nunziata's beautifully shaven, bald head? Do you know how he did it? Do you know how he achieved that tight, beautiful shave? He did it with a razor from harrys.com. And right now, if you go to harrys.com backslash ween, they've got a sweet, sweet deal for you. If you do it, you get a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip. You get a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get a rich, lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And you get a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. I mean, the worst thing is when you reach into your dab kit and you hit your razor and cut your hand. Does that ever happen to you? It's happened to me. It won't happen to you with this sweet travel blade cover. So go to harrys.com backslash ween to start shaving better today. If you do so, I think we get some very, very small percentage of your purchase kicked back to us, which we will no doubt reinvest in stickers and other cool shit for the show. So uh, without further ado, uh, I give you the Godwin Evan Eric Slick interview. Enjoy. Welcome to God, Ween, Evan, a podcast about uh, ween, friendship, love, um, empathy, compassion, forgiveness. Quarantine. Uh, subway, the New York City subway. Yeah. Uh, um, what else, Will? Uh, it's, it's about getting through uh, every week. Uh, it's about discovering uh, new music. It's about meeting new people, which is what we're going to do today, which is very, very cool. Very exciting, Will. Uh, I'm Paul Gakowski. With me, as always, is uh, Will Nunziata. That's me. Um, um, so a brief history on what this show is, in case you are listening, tuning in for the first time ever. Uh, this is a show that we Yeah, we, we could have a lot of Dr. Dog and uh, Eric Slick fans in the house. That's true. Listen to God We Never. So what this show is, it's uh, uh, three comedian friends, me, Paul, uh, Katie, who's not here, uh, we are all diehard Ween fans, and we have this friend Evan, also a comedian, who loves everything that we love uh, except for the band Ween. So we were like, "You should listen to Ween." He's like, "Nah, I don't want to listen to Ween." And then we're like, "You should listen to Ween." And then he's got he's getting like real defensive, like how he doesn't want to listen to Ween. So then for two and a half years, we forced him weekly uh, to listen to Ween, uh, and after uh, four years, uh, he's kind of right back to the beginning of where he started. He did love the band. We saw them live. Uh, and now he's up, kind of on... We opened up for the band. At, uh, at the Capitol, Capitol Theater. Theater. 
We did a live show. Uh, we opened up our, our Ween cover band, Guacamole Hat, opened up. Yep. We played your party live. Okay. Uh, and then uh, quarantine happened. And now we're doing like just like a weekly web show. And we have a fucking phenomenal guest today, Paul. We do. We do. We have uh, many of you will know him as the drummer from uh, Dr. Dog. Uh, some of you may know him from his solo work. Uh, it, we're going to get into it with him. I don't want to talk too much about his um, biography and uh, all of his credits musically, but he's been playing music. He's not, he's a young man, but he's been playing music for a long time and playing with a lot of sick fucks. And, uh, and I've become obsessed uh, personally with his Instagram page uh, mm-hmm. and watching him play everything from like Timbaland beats to television, uh, Smashing Pumpkins and just everything in between. Uh, on, I think it's Strange American or Strange America, and we should put it in there, but yeah. it's a, a great follow. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, very... I've been watching. I actually told him a couple of weeks ago. Was that Orlando? That been... Yeah, this is, is my Orlando? son. He, he... hey, Orlando. Hey, Orlando, thanks. Hey, for... Say hi. Hi. Hey, thanks. Orlando, thanks for the muffins, dude. We are, we are so live right now, bud. I want right. to so... Okay. Uh, it's, so it's worth noting, real quick. I, every every Monday on every Monday on Instagram, I do a uh, I do this stupid thing where I it's called Muffin Monday, where I eat a muffin and I I talk about life and I try and give a nice start to the week. Mondays are rough, you know. The case of the Mondays, it's like the anti case of the Mondays. Uh, and this week, Will's wife Shrada mm-hmm. Anziata baked me some delicious muffins, and then Will drove an hour to the post office uh, to ship these muffins overnight for way too much money. Uh, $42.75. Uh, and they, they didn't arrive overnight. So the good news is Will had me take a photo of the tracking number on the package and send it to him. So he got his money back and I got the muffins. It was a huge win. So Will, thank you to you and Shrey hey. Orlando for the muffins. What a no way problem. to I, ho- I hope you love those muffins. I fucking love um, them. So, um, Every uh, musician that I know, and uh, uh, the, the, my, one of my good friends is uh, this guy, John Shaw, who plays bass, he plays everything, uh, and he plays in uh, Shaky Graves. Uh, and he told me our guest today is a musical genius. And I just want to say that before we see Eric's face, because I don't want to make him blush, uh, but everyone that I speak to, everything that I've read, uh, this man's an encyclopedia uh, of music, uh, a genius. Uh, Mr. Eric Slick from Dr. Dog. Come on, Dan. Uh, let's bring him in. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm here. Hey, buddy. Oh, yeah, so boy. Yeah. Uh, you know who's welcome. really good is John Shaw. John Shaw, what a great bass player. What a great human. Mm-hmm. Great be... kisser. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, soft, I was soft, soft, soft lips, lots of tongue. I was in a really bad uh, cover band with John Shaw. Well, you're about... just doing... what? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So it was a three piece. It was me. I was playing Chaosolator, which is like this little oh, yeah. drum machine. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Grant, uh, rest in peace, was playing the accordion and singing. And John Shaw was playing guitar and or bass. And the three of us uh, were just known as There's a Fagan. And we, I think we played one official show, but we had fun just fucking playing Steely Dan songs in our bedrooms in Brooklyn. You have to remind me at the very end of this podcast, I have to bring out my, uh, I have a Steal Your Face, Steal Your Dan shirt. Oh, yeah. Sweet. It's, it's legendary. 
Um, Eric, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank um, you for having me. Come on. So stoked to have you. Um, I, uh, over the last, I'm a, I'm a Dr. Dog fan, but I'm kind of a, I would say I was like a, more of a casual, I know B Room really well. Mm. Um, I think it's like a perfect, it's one of those weird things where like, I, I got the record not long after it came out. It's one of those, I think the, what defines a great band of being able to put out like a, a record that doesn't have a single skippable, like a long player record that you just put on and is, is excellent all the way through. Um, but for some reason, I never really dove deeper into the catalog than that. Um, and then over the last like week, since we knew we were doing this, I was like, oh, they made a perfect record like six times, eight times over. Yeah. Like, oh. Putting out like, it's these like great, every year. Yeah. Yeah. These records that you just put on, whether you're like fucking barbecuing or you know, fucking hanging out, whatever you're doing. Thank uh, you. That's so nice. I mean, great. we work our butts off on those records and we, and it's funny because like, you know, obviously the way people consume music has changed so much, but we really try to make like a complete thought from, song one to song 12 so i appreciate you noticing that's nice thank you what i so i guess a, a question for you is as so i've been doing a deep uh dr dog dive uh, the past two weeks as well and flamingo hotel i think right now is my favorite mm. if you were going to tell somebody who's like never heard of your band what, what album to start with where would you go oh i mean i so <laughs> i was a, a dr question. dog fan before i joined the band so they were just like the local bar band, basically. Like they were playing at a place called The Fire in Philadelphia, which is like 100 capacity, total shit venue. I love that venue, but it is a piece of shit. Um, and I would go see them all the time. And the record that really hooked me was their first record or their first like full length record called Easy Beat. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the one that like still kind of like tugs on my heartstrings because that was the first thing that got me attracted to the band. But then like, if I were to direct anybody to a record that I was a part of, I'd probably say like abandoned mansion just because that record was so fun to make and it was quick and we all were live in one room together. So all the studio trickery that Dr. Dog's known for, like is kind of askewed on that record. And it's mostly just about us performing together as a band. So it's cool that you like Flamingo Hotel that that uh that live record was really funny to make because like technically we uh, maybe i shouldn't be saying this on a podcast but like with venues you're not allowed to record the show unless you pay the venue like a lot of money so we secretly recorded that live record oh that's great and like i read it was like 20 different shows and you just kind of picked like yeah. favorite tracks for me it's- yeah that's why it's live from a flamingo hotel <laughs> <laughs> not the flamingo hotel because then we didn't want the flamingo hotel in las vegas to sue us it could be it could be any goddamn flamingo hotel in the universe yeah right? I mean, the flamingo hotel in your mind yeah. yeah it'll never hold up in a court of law i mean it could be any goddamn flamingo. so no one so no one really knows where the versions are from the venues can't sue us it's a perfect legal mm-hmm. loophole <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, let's go. So, uh, Will, let's go. Should we go all the way back to the beginning? Should we go? Yeah, little- let's let's go. Let's go, Mark Maron style. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Eric, where did you uh, grow up? Wait, how old are you? You're uh, 32? 30. 33. I'll, I'll be 33 in two days. Oh, happy birthday, birthday, my dude! Happy birthday! Thank you very much. So, where did you? Uh, where did you start? Where, uh, where I grew up in. Start? I grew up in Philly uh, in a section of town called Fairmount right outside of center city. So now it's known as the art museum area. 
Um, but yeah, that's like where I started playing drums. I had two like incredible hippie parents who were extremely encouraging. And, uh, when I was about two years old, they were like playing all these great records around the house and Mm -hmm. play like Santana and Emerson Lake and Palmer and like lots of prog rock. And they noticed that I was like beating along to the songs on my crib. And so they're like, he should probably get a set of bongos or something. And that, that's what, that's where it all started. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. We were talking before we came on about, I, I was saying that I've been stalking you on social media uh, the last couple of days. And uh, there's, you posted a really amazing photo from your wedding of your mom with your uh, her dog taking a dump like on this pristine green lawn and your dad next to her. And your dad looks like he could be in the band of changes. <laughs> totally, totally. And my dad is, you know, a guitar collector and player and um, just loves music he was in the Beatles fan club when he was a kid. So like he is just died in the wool, like rock and roll dude. Uh, and my mom is too. My mom's written books about rock and roll. Like I have, I have rock parents for sure. That's the best. I'm very my dad. My dad was a very much a rock guy, but my mom was very much a air supply Madonna mom. So I'm, 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 I'm somewhere. Yeah, I, they do. They do. And it's, uh, but they they met at Cat Stevens, and they uh, my dad actually proposed to my mom to Harry Chapin. He told Harry Chapin and my mom at the same time that this is the girl I'm going to marry. Isn't that crazy? Whoa, wow. Wait, what? <laughs> they met Harry Chapin backstage, and that's when my dad decided to propose to my mom in front of Harry Chapin. My my dad sang a Harry Chapin song to me to go to for me to go to bed every night of my childhood. So, I mean, wait, yeah, everything's connected. Wait, yeah. so wait, but where though? What, yeah, where? what backstage? It was in my bedroom. Uh, it was in my bedroom <laughs> while my dad was singing. <laughs> parents. But, but, but what backstage? Uh, I think it was in Forest Hills in Queens. Uh, I, Hills, I don't actually you? know. Uh, yeah, but this is this must be 77. How did they get backstage? Were your parents? I don't know. Where it was maybe it was like a meet and greet. I, oh. I don't know the details. A I don't, fucking I don't know fondue party with Harry Chapin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, you guys like do Friday fondue and Chapin. <laughs> uh, all right. So you grow up with you grow up with uh, super cool progressive, pro- like not just progressive but progressive rock parents. Yes. <laughs> progressive in every way. Yeah. They didn't uh, believe in censorship. So like my earliest memories of watching movies were like deeply R-rated films. Like um, there was a movie called The Groove Tube that's Chevy Chase's first film. And it's like this uh, kind of psychedelic sketch comedy movie that actually ended up um, influencing Saturday Night Live. But the movie is like filthy, disgusting, dirty with like boobs and like heroin and shit. Like it's a crazy movie for a three-year-old to be watching. (laughs) That's the first movie I remember watching. So my parents were just like... Yeah, you know, like if my kid's gonna see it, like they're just gonna see it. It's all good. Yeah, that, that's like, I had a similar. I'm the third. Uh, <coughs> I have a brother who's five years older and a sister who's four years old. I have Irish twin older siblings, and so yeah. I was like watching Porky's and shit when I was, you know, like way, way. I think like, like the Thriller video, even like I should not yeah. have been watching. Like I was like two. I was like this tall, you know, watching. Fuck it, yeah. Uh, but I, I I value it so much for being exposed to that level of like like uh, filthy artistry. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys are so lucky. Well, there's but there's the- also, but there's yeah there's something yeah that's what I'm saying it's like we're lucky. I mean there's something to that you know like 
as controversial as it was to other parents, I think my my folks were definitely like, well, he's going to see it anyway. Why repress him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of music in the home. And uh, and then um, what like the Paul Green is it Paul Green school. What was the school that you you got yeah. hooked into? So I've been taking lessons for a couple of years privately with a guy named Carl Matola, who was like a big band jazz drummer around Philadelphia. He was amazing. Love Carl Matola. But like um, around the time I was 10, I had two friends who were really into all the same music I was into. And they started studying with this guy, Paul Green, who was a guitar teacher. And they put on a variety show at a small coffee shop in, in uh, Old City, Philadelphia. And um, this variety show, like, all these kids were on stage playing songs together. It's my first time I'd ever seen that. I was like, mm. oh my God, there's like all these kids and they're my age and they're like really good at their instruments. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. Also, the guy Paul Green was playing drums and it was like terrible. So I so I also was kind of like, I got kind of puffy and I was like, I want to be a part of this because like, screw that dude, I want to play drums. Of course, like not knowing what I was in for, which was like, you know, getting my butt kicked musically uh for you know eight years but i would say that like my musical development was definitely like half and half like my parents were super instrumental in showing me all this amazing stuff and then paul was showing me stuff like zappa and uh you know led zeppelin and all that and all that um my parents were showing me like you know yes and stanley clark and kind of deep esoteric stuff so it was cool having both of those things together it was an after-school program so it was lessons, but then it was also performance-based. So we'd have a, uh, a series of rehearsals based around maybe one artist. And then we'd have like a variety show based on that artist. So like there was a Steely Dan show, there's a Pink Floyd show, there was a Joni Mitchell show, like, you know. I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but just because you're talking, I mean, like I listened to your solo, I listened to Palisade, Palisades a bunch. I really, really like that record. It's fucking haunting and melodic and fucking, yeah. but everything you're talking about, even at like an early age, I feel like, and we'll talk about the King Crimson stuff, connection. Yeah. And all of that just really feels so present in that record. Totally, um, totally. The record all, the best, all the best ways. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, well, yeah. and it's funny because the new record I'm about to put out is a different, you know, another different side of like childhood influences. Like I kind of went back and was like, what are all the things that I, like, I really, really loved in my childhood? And then this new one is much more informed by like ELO and Robert Palmer. Like those were huge, huge yeah. records for me growing up. Yeah. And, and then I kind of went back and rediscovered them and was like, oh my God, these records are incredible. Todd Rundgren, you know, like something, anything. These are things that my parents just kind of put on casually that like are just part of my DNA. And it's funny, like it's all subconscious. Like you go to write a song and you're like, I oh, just came up with this great idea. And then like, like wait a second. That's, that's living thing. Telephone line. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. I heard the guy, um, who's the guy who's in Moon Duo and he's got Rose City Band now. Um, Ripley, uh, Ripley something. He's in Wooden Ships. Anyway, he, I, I saw him like on a rough trade thing, like mm. pulling all these records, like Instagram thing, pulling all these records that like influenced him. Mm. And then you listen to like the Rose City Band and it just sounds like all this like cosmic Wayfair and country shit. Mm. And it's like, it just, it is what it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you 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 create what you you know what you love you know like yeah and then sometimes for better or worse because like then i'll be like i'm gonna write this like real angular song and then i'll realize it's like mud vein or something it's like from that period <laughs> where I was like listening to nothing but fucking like stupid new metal yeah. because that was at one point the most popular music in the world right like 
the year 2000, like Limp Bizkit's chocolate starfish on the hot dog flavored water was number one. Like, why? Yep. Favorite, yeah, I mean, quote, just... about, favorite <laughs> quote about that record, Fred Durst said, it's not Led Zeppelin 4 or anything. <laughs> uh, all right so you're you get, you're playing you, you get into school you're playing music um and uh how does the how does the the king crimson uh, adrian blue happen is that how you say his name blue is it blue adrian blue yeah. yeah so um paul green was a huge king crimson fan and sort of enlightened all of us kids to like the 80s king crimson era which is uh, featuring Adrian Blue, I I was more familiar with like the Greg Lake in the Court of the Crimson King era from my parents, but the mm-hmm. '80s stuff really struck me because it was so rhythmic and so like uh, fresh sounding. You know, even for being from 1981, it's like kind of sounds like Talking Heads, but like there's also like the Steve Reich uh, kind of neoclassical influence happening, and then like guitar synthesizer. And I generally like don't like rock guitar which is kind of funny so like all the all the stuff that adrian blue was doing i was really attracted to because it was so abstract and so artful and kind of like hendrix through a kaleidoscope or something you know so i listened to those king crimson records every day when i was in high school like the especially the the big three from the 80s which were called discipline beat three of a perfect pair uh i listened to those all the time and then when i was about 18 years old um adrian got caught like Paul somehow got contact with him and was like, Hey, do you want to come do a seminar at the school? And then Adrian and I kind of hit it off. And, um, I was his like personal assistant for a day. And, uh, then he had kind of let it slip that he had just fired his drummer. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, And then we jammed together at one point and that was awesome. And a couple months later, I was actually on tour with a Frank Zappa cover band called project object. And on the very last day of that tour, I got a call from Dave Drywitz and I got a call from uh, Adrian Blue. Jesus, what a and day. It was, and it was a great day. It was actually my birthday, <laughs> which was, so this is actually, this is- uh, The 14, anniversary coming 14 up. 14 years to the, to the day, probably. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dave called me and was like, hey, I, I have this band. Uh, I had this band called Instant Death, but now it's called Crescent Moon. And do you want to play a show with me in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey? And I was like, yes. Uh, and then, uh, he, oh, and also Dave and I barely knew each other. He had gotten my number from Paul Green, presumably. Um, and then Adrian called me and asked me to come down to Nashville to audition for the band. And then I roped my sister into coming with me to play bass. Yeah, your sister, so I, I saw that too, right? Your sister's like a kick-ass bass player. Yeah, like an insane virtuoso, like, yeah, a crazy bass player. Yeah, as uh, I was going down the uh, Eric Slick rabbit hole, uh, I got trapped into Echo Test for like an hour today. There you go. I'm like, Jesus Christ, shit's great. Yeah, Julie's amazing. I love yeah. Julie. And uh, she's, you know, doing her thing. She's still making solo music. She still plays with Adrian. Um I left the Adrian Blue band to join Dr. Dog, but th- those were incredible years. I mean, like I got to play King Crimson music with all kinds of people. Uh, we opened for Primus and got Les Claypool sat in with us. We got to open for Bela Fleck and Humphreys McGee. It was just like, and I was and a child. 19. I was a yeah, 19, yeah, right? Yeah, 19. I was a fucking kid. Yeah, I mean, like you think I'm young now. Like I was a baby, like being thrown into some pretty crazy situations, having to trade fours with Future Man and I couldn't hear like, because like future man, I didn't have future man on my monitor because he plays like a digital drumatar or something. So <laughs> I'm like doing a drum solo, and I look over at future man. It's like, 
What a specific problem. What a, what a, I know, right? What a specific problem. I got, I'm not getting Future Man involved. Dude. And the, what the weird, the weird cross-section of Future Man in my life is that my wife's first solo show in Nashville, like Future Man was just there. And he like, play, he like sat in with her. <laughs> she was like, he was like, I'll play drums with you. And it's like, oh, it's Future Man. <laughs> How did the Dr. Dog thing come to come to be? Yeah, so you're, there, you're touring the world as like a 19 year old. You're playing, you know, with with musicians who have shaped, you know, a large part of the fucking musical zeitgeist of the 80s and 90s. Totally. Um, um, so, did, yeah. so I had some friends who were really into Dr. Dog, and they were a local band. Um, they had just played around town most of the time, and I was actually. My first year uh, with Adrian and Project Object, I was on vacation with my folks, like one of the few weeks I was off of tour. And my friends were like, you should buy this Dr. Dog record. And I actually found one on the boardwalk, which was also really weird. They had one for sale at, in Ocean City, New Jersey, of all places. That's a sober, that's a sober town, for Christ's sakes. It is a sober <laughs> town. Uh, so there's a Dr. Dog CD for sale, and I bought it, and I was listening to it like nonstop. I just became obsessed with it. And then I looked in the local boardwalk paper, and they were playing in Atlantic City that weekend. So and they're opening for the Rock Contours, Jack White's other band. So I just went. I went to the show. And I was like, this is the best show ever. Like, holy shit. Like, I'm gonna follow this band forever. And then like all this cosmic stuff started happening. Um uh Joe Russo and Marco Benevento were playing a show as Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Uh, they did like a Led Zeppelin instrumental cover band for a while. And actually Metzger, Scott Metzger and um Drywitz were in that band as well. So they got me into the show and guess who played right before them? Dr. Dog. So I got to meet them, got to become friends with them. And um, then two weeks later- A, pre, a pre-J-Rad. Uh, exactly. That was like their- yeah. J-Rad definitely uh, emerged from Bustle in Your Hedgerow, for sure. Like, for sure. So anyway, do that gig. And then two weeks later, I got asked to go down to Bonnaroo to play hand drums with this belly dance ensemble from Knoxville. I was just taking whatever. <laughs> it sounds taking, right. Taking whatever gig I could. And Ween was playing Bonnaroo 2007. Dr. Dog was playing. I was like, this is great. I'm going to have a bunch of friends there. And lo and behold, we pull up to the RV, you know, camping area. And Dr. Dog is right next to our shitty Dodge Caravan or whatever we were driving down there. So I hung out with them all weekend. And they took my phone number and then like they took me out for my 21st birthday, um, which was amazing. Like they took me to go see the Black Keys. I got to hang out with the Black Keys until like five o'clock in the morning. Like just like like what is my like I felt like I was in the matrix. You must be living. I don't yeah. know. It must be living right, dude. Is it was it? crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> and I, I, you know, it's a shame because when you're young, it's like you just have such a hard time appreciating stuff. Sometimes you're just like you're in it and you don't quite know what's happening. And you're like trying hard to impress everybody. And you're just like it's all very chaotic, but like looking back on it, I'm like, what? I went out drinking with the black keys until like three in the morning on my 21st birthday. Like what? The, and then I hung Eric, out until five. Like, this is crazy. You're a living embodiment of just saying yes. I just like said, you're yes. saying, you're just <laughs> saying yes to all these things. And yeah. it's gotten you, uh, I mean, literally here. Right. This is what happens when you see like, titties in a movie yeah. when you're two years old. Though. <laughs> this is like if you're exposed. This for all the parents out there. Show your kids some psychedelic titty sketch. Show, show them groove tube. <laughs> the best part is going to be in the biopic 
you know, when they make a biopic <laughs> of, of my life and like, like, uh, like Josh Brolin is playing me or something, or like <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis comes out of retirement to play yeah. with me and shit. Exactly. <laughs> and then we're, the stars. we're doing Godwin Evan in the movie. Like in the movie, I'm like talking to you and like <laughs> you're all like deep fakes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, this will be the bookend of the movie. It'll just be the beginning of it. Then we see the flashbacks. And then at the end of the movie, we're back on the podcast. Oh my god! What um, a journey it's so been. Wait, so but yeah, go, I wanted asking, to. Well, I'm asking all the questions. I'm sorry, you, Paul. Yeah. You're on this. Thank you for being here. Uh, Bonnaroo 2007. You get to see Ween. Uh, what was that set like? Okay, so up until that point, so uh, I should mention that like prior to Bonner 2007, like Ween and I were, we were like established buds and we were playing together and we were, we were all collaborating in uh, Chris Harford and the band of changes. Mm -hmm. So I got to see Ween sets like all the time. I got to see them at the tower theater. Uh, they did like a two night run at the tower theater in Philadelphia, which is amazing. They did a, uh, um, three nights at terminal five, which was like, you know, I got to go to all those shows. It was, it was awesome. I was like, I was in with them and, uh, I'm, I meet up with Joe Russo and our friend Ryan Thornton, who's also known as Tugboat. He played uh, in a band called Rana with uh, Scott Metzger. And uh, we all go backstage to say hi to Claude before the show. And Claude's got his practice pad. And then, like, I think it kind of dawned on Claude that, like, three kind of, like, hotshot drummer dudes were going to watch him play. <laughs> and then suddenly, like, the rudiments he was playing on his pad were getting faster. And he's kind of looking at us like, <laughs> I'm about to, like, I'm about to smoke all three of you. And like from the first song, it was just like they did. They opened with "Touch My Tutor," I think, and it was like Joe and I just kept looking at each other, like, "Oh man, we suck." Yeah. <laughs> like Claude just has it all, man. Like that guy just. No, no play, I mean, he plays with such like fluidity and power. Like that combo, I don't know that I've ever seen any. Like I, I try and watch. I've been, I've been trying. Will knows that I've been trying to learn White Pepper over the last in quarantine. My that's what I've been playing. Yeah, on. and uh, which doesn't even. I mean, the live like you know, when you watch him play like spring theme live, and he he's just like moving around and you're or like, um, spinal meningitis like he. The, he does that um, little triangle pattern on a pad, but then he's also doing the 808 kick pattern at the same time. And then he's got like a yeah. clap and it's like, it, he's totally ambidextrous. And not, yeah. not to mention like, dude can play everything. Like yeah. he's, he's just also a genius, like musical freak mind kind of guy, like just very special. What was your first ween uh, kind of experience or ween yeah. memory? This is great. So yeah, like I said, Dave Drywitz called me and was like, he had seen me play a rock school show with John Wetton from King Crimson. John Wetton had come in and done some songs with the kids and it was a really good night. And uh, Dave really likes that era of King Crimson. So he went to the show and we were playing at the Knitting Factory. And then, uh, yeah, he called me, asked me to do this gig. I learned like a Motorhead song. Uh, I learned um, a mountain song. Uh, he was really, Dave was really into Cowbell and the band Mountain at that time. And then I learned- a bunch That was of, my dad's favorite band, Mountain. F, yeah. So yeah. Mountain rules, by the way. But anyway, uh, and then he was like, oh, and I also had this band called Instant Death. And like, it's been really hard for me because the original drummer of Instant Death had passed away. This guy named Scotty. He had, he had passed away fairly recently at that point. And he was, Dave was just trying to work through it. And he was like, I'm going to do this band Crescent Moon. And it's like our tribute to Scotty, who had passed away. Scott, I think his name's Scott Byrne, but I can't totally remember. Um, 
and uh, we played to like two people at Mexicali Blues in New Jersey in Teaneck, which is like the small Hasidic town. And it was awesome. And then like three weeks later, uh, Dave called me and was like, this is big news. And I was like, okay. Also at that point, I barely knew any Ween songs. Like I knew Push the Little Daisies and I knew like Voodoo Lady from MTV, yeah. mm-hmm. but like, I didn't know the catalog at all. So I wasn't really like nervous around those guys, which I think probably helped me, you know? Um, and so three weeks later, it was like slick. Like we're going to do Chris Harford and the band of changes. And it's going to be like me, you, Mickey and Aaron and Scott Metzger. And we're going to rehearse at the Ween barn in new hope. So like, you got to be ready. And he's like, just don't play too much. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Okay. So I just showed up and I had like super long hair at the time and I had a bandana on and I had like boot cut jeans. And I just kind of looked like a John Bonham impersonator or something. <laughs> and like from the first note, like all the, like I just played, I just tried to do like my best Neil Young Harvest impersonation on drums. Like I literally hit no crash cymbals and they all were like looking around like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. What, a great philo- what a great philosophy. That's like something that drummers like should, should talk from early on well dave kind of clued me in he's like they really love neil young they really love richard thompson <laughs> like they really love butthole surfers like if you could just synthesize all that stuff like <laughs> richard thompson you know, and butthole surfers. <laughs> well it's kind of true though it's like yeah. it's in there. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. yeah totally, no it is it makes total sense it makes perfect sense it's all in there those guys worship butthole surfers has so, Lee like, ever played the cavalry cavalry cross <laughs> they should man well they open for butthole surfers a ton back in the day i mean they were they were all buds um so i just approached that rehearsal like i'm just gonna go in and like play as simply as possible and then like a week later we played in at some dude's house party in like lambertville new jersey and it was a blast and then that whole summer of 2006 we were playing together like all the time playing at john and peters in new hope we um we played at grand central station and like niall rogers was there just like inexplicably <laughs> we were like hey and he was like, what's up? <laughs> like, he was like real like happy. and Was, nice. future, was future Man lurking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Future Man was future like Man's always lurking. He's like, he's up at Michael Jordan's steakhouse just looking down. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so it was amazing. And then at the end of that year, we, had, uh, we did like a little weekend run, um, Chris Harford band. And Chris was like, we're going to do World Cafe Live um, for WXPN and it's going to be filmed and it's like free at noon. It's a big deal. And that was like me, Mickey, Aaron, Scott Metzger and Dave. And he's like, not only are we going to play Chris Harford songs, but we're going to do a Ween song. So I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to learn a Ween song. So we did Happy Colored Marbles from Quebec. And they were like played extra slow. So we did like this really scary kind of doom version of happy colored marbles. And then there's another song called DC won't do you no good, which is sort of a deep cut. Um, yeah. B side, B side. But I got, C, I remember, C like, or D side. I remember like hearing that for the first time and Aaron was explaining it to me. He's like, I'm just trying to write a dinosaur junior song. And I was like, what's dinosaur junior. Like I've never heard <laughs> dinosaur junior. And now that I know that it makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, yeah, we just played together all the time. And um, Claude kind of hit, tipped me off. He was like, Claude was like, I don't really want to tour anymore. And I, you're you're going to be the guy who joins Ween. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. And yeah, that's, a heavy, started, that's a heavy, 
It's a heavy thing to lay on someone. Well, I was also like 22 or 23 when you told me that. And it was actually backstage at Terminal 5. Claude was like, you're the next guy in line. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. Like, you're the drummer of Ween. As far as I'm concerned, like, it's either you or it's going to be Joe Russo. Like, it's not me. I can't do it. Um, And plus, like, I just didn't feel as familiar with the material as maybe Joe would be or another drummer who's, you know, really a seasoned Ween fan. I was a fan at that point, but like I wasn't as deep of a fan as I am now. Um, so I went up to New Hope and did a rehearsal with Ween. Mickey sent me a 50 song data disc of like, not only, not only is it like, it was like the weirdest mix of tunes too. It was like Stroker Ace and like, um, Japanese cowboy, but like a live version of Japanese cowboy from the Horde tour. Like all the stuff I had to learn on the CD was like really like brown versions of the songs. Yeah. Uh, and it's so I got the ringer. Yeah. And I kind of blew the audition, to be honest with you. Like I was nervous now because like I've been playing with them and it was so loose and so casual because Chris Harford never really like it's like Chris Harford starts playing a song and then you just have to go along with it. But mm-hmm. with Ween, it's like that stuff is extremely intentional and there's the parts matter and like the the details matter. Um, so I went up there and uh, I had to feel like I just kind of blew it. I like I didn't, I didn't feel like I nailed the rehearsal. I felt like I wasn't really. Uh, Do you remember what they had you like what you played? In that? Yeah, totally. We uh, we did um, spinal meningitis. We did, uh, hold on, let me rack my brain here. Uh, oh, we did Mr. Won't You, actually the song I messed up the most was Mr. Won't You Please Help My Pony. <laughs> oh no, that's uh, Diener, Diener, that's, uh, you know, that'll break <laughs> Diener's heart, I think. <laughs> well, it was just, it wasn't about like, uh, you know, like I feel like I had the parts, but I just wasn't nailing certain transitions because that song's actually a lot harder than it seems. Um, and it's also got all those funny Stevie Wonder chords in it too. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you ever watched that amazing guitar moves with Mickey, but that's definitely a really good one. But, um, I just didn't feel like I nailed it. And then, uh, Mickey called me after the rehearsal. He was like, yeah, it was a little weak, but you know, you're still in, you're in as long as you want to be in. And I was like, okay, great. He's like, we're going to book a secret show at John and Peter's like, let's do it. And then like a week shy of the secret show at John and Peter's. Mickey was like, Claude wants his job back. He decided that, like, we don't play enough shows to do this. So, like, and I was like, you know what? All for the best. <laughs> yeah, me and Claude <laughs> is the guy. Yeah. But in that yeah. process, I got to learn so many Ween songs that I would have never heard. And I was, like, just falling in love with that stuff so deeply. Like, so much good. So, so for that audition, is Glenn there as well? Glenn and Dave are there? It's Glenn and Dave. Yeah, it's everybody except for Claude. Yeah. And so, and are you, is, so I'm assuming Mickey is kind of your focal point as you're playing. You're watching him to follow him and everyone's kind of watching. Right, right. Yeah, because Aaron is just like, you know, he's making me laugh and, you know, we're doing songs. I think we did Someday and that really got, like, he was doing his whole Someday bit and it was. Yeah, the whole, the whole Muppets voice part of it. Oh my God, it's incredible. So like, he definitely had me laughing a lot and we were, you know, we were just like trying to get along shooting the shit. And um, yeah, I just didn't feel like I nailed it. Um, but it didn't mean that the musical relationship was over. And 
it, it ended up being great. Like I still went up to Thanksgiving that year and we all. Yeah. Well, you talk about the Thanksgiving, the jam a little bit. Yeah. Someone, someone on Twitter specifically said, I should ask you, they didn't actually phrase it in a question. They just said, ask him about the Thanksgiving jam. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, <laughs> so every Thanksgiving, uh, Chris Harford has a residency at John and Peter's. And as soon as everyone's done eating Thanksgiving dinner, they go up to the venue and we just play for like four to five hours. And sometimes that's been, you know, me and Mickey and Dave and Chris. And then sometimes that's like me and Claude on double drums or me and Joe Russo on double drums. Oof. And it's just a wild night. And then like all of the sound of urchin will be there and like, they'll like maybe tomato will sit in yeah. or like Bill, uh, Reverend Beal or Robbie mm -hmm. C. Hag will sit in. So it just, it's like a total insane party. And, um, it, it's always great. And, um, yeah, uh, a couple years ago, Chris stopped doing it, and then Mickey uh, was in charge of it and was doing his like Dean Ween Invitational thing. But now Chris mm. is doing it again. So uh, my wife, who had never been to New Hope uh, this last Thanksgiving, um, went up and uh, did the John and Peters and Thanksgiving and and sat in and sang uh, Sade. Oh, whoa! <laughs> so was, yeah. Lovers Rock. What did she? What did she? What did she do? She did. Um, oh God, oh, she's gonna kill me. Ordinary Wilson. What Sade song did you sing on Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh yeah, the Kiss. Uh, what is that song? Kiss of Life. Oh right, Kiss of Life. We did a very oh. sultry version. We just got a question that came in from uh, Mr. John Shaw. Uh huh. His uh, username is J Shaw. 69 420 Yeah. Uh, like uh, yeah, and he wants to know, uh, Eric, what do you think is the most fire bars that Brian Wilson has ever spit? <laughs> <laughs> the most fire bars that Brian Wilson has ever spit. Well, that would have to be Smart Girls. Mm -hmm. The Brian Wilson rap song from 1988 that psychiatrist made him record which is on youtube and I, and john shaw is referencing I, I i i had this thing uh on the last uh dr dog shaky graves tour that we did last summer i was, I was trying to show them like the worst of rock and roll history so i played like ringo's worst like a new ringo song that's like horrible uh -huh. um he had there, there's a ringo song called um uh, postcards from Paradise, where all the lyrics are made up of old Beatles song titles. <laughs> it's awful. It is like beyond. It's unlistenable. Like, and then we take a walk down Abbey Road. Is it yes. like, like that? Look, like, I've been there and everywhere, <laughs> and then I saw her standing there, and you're like, no. And this, and this has been a day in the life. Yes, it it literally is that. So I got into the habit of getting on their bus and be like, do you want to hear another really bad song from someone who's really good? And they'd be like, yes. I was like, I'm going to play Smart Girls because like nothing can top that one. Uh, it's I, have so a, I had no idea this even existed. It will make you really put this sad. On Facebook. It's really sad. It's like Brian Wilson trying to do like, well, my name is Brian Wilson and I'm here to say, and you're like, it really is like that. And oh. they... They they try to capitalize on the success of Beach Boys songs by sampling portions of them, but like sampling technology in 1988 or whatever, like wasn't that great. So it's it it is it's like listening to crazy person music. 
that just keeps getting sadder. The fact that it's like therapy, like this, this was an, an act of like, uh, what's his, like his name's like Eugene, some, uh, Eugene Landy or something. His, but, his psychiatrist who like <laughs> Dr. Landy, that's uh, kind of like lived with him for like 20, like th- that smile documentary is a, a fucking wonderful piece of art. Yes. And there uh, are some beautiful moments in that. So, uh, a, but it's that I'm guy. That I'm guy a teaching. I'm a teaching artist. I teach theater in, in New York City public schools, and I'm I'm doing it online these days. And one of the other teaching artists that I work with, we were doing these like object uh, monologues today. We're like we're having the kids grab any object they could like in the room and like create a a, a character out of it. Uh-huh. And she did like demonstrate, and she had this octopus. And, we, and we were, one of the questions on like the character worksheet was like, "What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite song?" And she goes, and this octopus, this like ceramic octopus, she goes. My favorite uh, song is Animal Sounds by the Beach Boys. She was so close. She was so close. I like, I, I like, I thought about it again, like hours later, cooking dinner and did a full spit take of my wine. when I remember she had said animals. animals. There's this one, I want to say my favorite moment of the smile documentary is Brian talks about how he's built this gigantic teepee uh, in his living room. And he also has, uh, a room that's just filled with sand. He has his piano in, so yeah. his feet can be in the sand. And the uh, the filmmaker asked him, "So, so Brian, uh, was it what is it that you do when you're in this big teepee in your living room?" He just goes, "Weed sandwiches." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut, cut to the next scene, and that brought me so much joy as a as a fan of sandwiches and the Beach Boys yes. equally. And sand so, in your toes. Yeah, like <laughs> when this is all said and done, like yeah, just listen to "Smart Girls" by Brian Wilson. It's only on YouTube. The, the 80s are, you know, just a weird void for the Beach yeah. Boys outside of Kokomo. You know, it's just a weird, weird time. Yeah. Which is a masterpiece. Um, one ween tidbit that I don't want to forget, and that I wanted to. Yeah, share let's get into it. Tell us, give us your best. Oh ween. yeah, yeah. I got plenty of ween stories, but um, after the Tower Theater show, uh, they did. Uh, God. Yeah, two nights at the Tower Theater, which is like a you know three thousand capacity venue. It's a beautiful old theater in West Philly, right? Is beautiful it? old theater in West oh, Philly. Oh, we're on drugs had, there. I think a couple years ago. David Bowie recorded David live there on the uh, wow. yeah maybe on Young Americans tour, maybe prior to that. I can't remember. Um, okay, but after the show, Mickey is like slick. Come with me. Like we're gonna go. We're gonna go downtown and we're gonna go to a bar. And I'm like Mickey. I'm. 20 years old like i can't go to the bar i don't have an id and he's like i'll get you in so we go to this bar uh and on the way to the bar i talk about how i'm vegetarian and mickey's like slick you gotta stop being a vegetarian i was like but i like eat vegan cheesesteaks he was like if i hear you say the word vegan cheesesteak ever again he's like i would rather die than eat a vegan cheesesteak and i'm like okay mickey so we go to the Kyber Pass, and the Kyber Pass is this like old dive bar backslash venue that like Nirvana played on the Bleach tour or something. You know how every venue is like Nirvana played here, and you're like, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, so did every band. Um, but this place, the Kyber Pass, which was like you know kind of a legendary shit venue in Philadelphia, um, Mickey was like, we're gonna go drinking at the Kyber. I'm like, Mickey, you're not gonna get me. And he's like, no, I have a plan. So he goes up to the bartender, or sorry, not the bartender, the uh, uh, bouncer he's like uh you see my friend over here and he points back at me looking the way that i basically the way i do now he's, Hi. Yeah, I'm like, Hi. <laughs> yeah he points back at me he's like see this guy this guy fought for our country 
he's military. You got to let him in active military. And the guy's like, no, he's not. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, no, he's not like that. That guy's played here before. He's not active. <laughs> like I this played there with like X's on my hands, you know? <laughs> and Mickey just kind of like back to him. He's like, sorry, Slick. And he just like went in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but he tried. And I love him for trying. I love he tried the stolen valor technique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the next time I uh, got, hung out with Mickey extensively was at Bonnaroo 2007. We're all hanging post ween set you know we're all just like that was the best ween show ever it's so good and he's like uh slick we should go see the police the police are reuniting it's big deal and like this helicopter flies over us and it's definitely the police like in a helicopter you know Stuart copeland and sting are like right above us like not messing around getting to that things just up there in the helicopter yeah. not coming yeah so like me and mickey and dave and uh Dave's partner, Monica, go to go see the police. And we're like watching it for a couple minutes. And Mickey's just like, this is fine. Police are fine. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's not like they kind of sound a little off. Like they sound rusty. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know what they should do? He's like, they should just do a 10 minute set where it's just all the sections of police songs where they go, EO, EO. <laughs> and like, and that'll be great. That's what everyone wants to see anyway. And I was like, that's a good point, Mickey. That's a real, that's a really good point. Uh, it's so fucking good. You, so you, you're still, you're playing music with, can we talk about like, I know the, the Nicole Atkins thing. Then you like play on. Yeah, l- last week you, you played drums on a new Dean Wayne track. That debuted on Nicole Atkins' he played uh, it? web show. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, the real like weird kind of prog. Yeah, uh, awesome. Oh yeah, it's like so, a Bulgarian it's so circus. <laughs> yeah, it rules. Yeah, I'm really stoked because he. Uh, so I re- I did a drum cover of Spinal Meningitis for my little Instagram drum cover series. Which and, I'm, a, um, I'm a totally obsessed with, by the way. Oh, like, I really like. Awesome. Me too. I didn't I didn't know about it, and then Will turned me on to it, and like. I was in my basement this morning trying to play. I can't play Marky Moon. It's not. I don't know why. It's like the first hi hats, and then I'm like, I know. It's a brain. It hurts. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. So, um, yeah, uh, I posted a cover of Spinal Meningitis, and actually, I was like, I should just text Mickey because I haven't texted him in a really long time, and we haven't talked probably for like two years. So, I texted him the video. And then he wrote back. He's like, "This is awesome." And then he just texted me back, uh, him wearing a ween face mask <laughs> that says, "I don't, I'm, I don't want to die." <laughs> yeah, please don't let me die. <laughs> he was like, he was like, "I don't." Uh, he's like, "Do you want one? I'll send you one." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Actually, I'm working on this song. Can you record drums?" And I was like, "Yeah." I mean, I have like a little remote setup. Um, it's nothing special, but yeah. I'll do something. And so I play along to the track. You know, I do all the hits to the track and then I get Mickey sends me the track the next day and he's like, it's all done. And I'm like, great. But he's nudged my drums one beat off from the rest of the band. And I was like, oh, no. Like, does he know that he did that? And I'm like, oh, he totally knows that he did that because, like, it makes it that much more brown. You know, they make it much easier. So now I'm like. I wish I actually had the foresight to play this whole song a beat off because that would be convenient. <laughs> it's all working so well. Like it sounds so good. Yeah, it sounded so good. I, yeah. yeah. And then really he added that crazy vibrato of the guitar and 
Then I just he sent me a a, a revised version of the track today, and Petra Hayden uh, sang on it from uh, that. Oh my dog. god! So now it's like full on prog epic. Like sounds awesome. Yeah. And then so then today uh, <laughs> I, I text him and or sorry no he texted me hey dude nothing which always scares me because usually they'll be like hey dude do you want to do something and i'm like great but it was just hey dude and i saw that you know today we had tweeted like the podcast is going to yeah. be on the air and you tagged me <laughs> and i was like oh is he upset about the podcast like i don't know but uh he just wrote like hey dude and i was like what's up it's like <laughs> i have another tune that i want you to play on sick so, great i'll play i was like i will play on anything that you send me anytime like don't worry about it so he, then he's like call me and I, <laughs> I call him and he's like like what's up i was like nothing much he's like all right sorry i couldn't get you into that bar yeah he's like sorry about that anyway um he's like i got this song and it's kind of like a p-funk ripoff but it's great, and you're the guy for it. So you just gotta. I'm gonna send you the P Funk song, and then I'm gonna send you the song, and then you're gonna call me back. And I was like, okay. So I hung up, listened to the, the P Funk song, which I already knew is from Uncle Jam once you. It's a great song. And then he sent me this <laughs> MP3 file, dick.mp3. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just cut the track, and now it's he's work. I think he's working on it right now. He's the hold on, I'll read you the last text I got from him, which was really sweet. Uh, he said, Hey man, again, awesome job. I'm going to sit and fuck with it all night until it's so crooked. It makes people sick. (laughs) 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 Well, it's so good to hear that he is, uh, he is like just so deep in it still. Like, so like the motivation to like create music that, uh, is that affecting, uh, yeah, he has uh, one of the best work ethics out of any musicians I've ever worked with. I mean, he is very, um, he's just a very prolific artist uh, and can kind of do whatever he puts his mind to. Yeah, like Mickey's yeah. the kind of person who will watch somebody play ping pong and be like, I should learn how to do that. And then like five months later, you'll find out that he's like the ping pong champion of New Hope. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the kind of brain he has. He's very malleable. He's very go with the flow, and also just like one of the best guitarists ever. I mean, yeah, yeah. I watched the I Beastie Boys. I, guitar, I, I watched the Beastie Boys doc the other day, and that's like how they describe MCA. Like he would just do, like MCA would set his mind to something, and he would just learn it and like that. Like and he that's would, you know. that's how Mickey is. Like even today, like. I told him about what kind of dog I have. And he's like, oh, terriers. I love terriers. Actually, rat terriers. He starts going on about dog breeds. I'm like, how do you know all this stuff about dog breeds? And you also know that Mickey is like a registered captain of a boat. Like he's a... Yeah, he we, I wanted to go. Yeah. So I'm I'm currently like, I, I'm in, uh, I've been, I live in Brooklyn, but I've been down at my parents' place in, in Seagirt, New Jersey, which is a sleepy little beach town in Jersey. And uh, and it's it's two towns from Delmar. Yeah, and I and I, I don't know where he is. I know I see him. Like, he posts like fishing. You know, he's, he's surf casting. Yep. And I'm like, where is this happening? Like, where can I go? Like, walk on the beach and fucking run into Mickey surf casting. I mean, I know he goes to the LBI and as yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, he he goes all over the place. But I remember when he was getting certified for his to be a captain, and I was like, how did you? 
did he just how does he study for yeah. acting like how is he doing this but he's just like a sponge you know he yeah. he retains so much information the last like real time that we hung out he was going on this hilarious riff about how he was reading the santana biography uh, uh, memoir mm-hmm. and he was like the first half of the book is amazing he's like talking about jamming with miles davis and he's like in Woodstock and how great that is. And then like the second half of the book, he's like just talking about like how much he loves playing in Las Vegas and like Rob Thomas. And, but like you had, you just kind of had to be there. Cause the way Mickey was talking about it, he was like, I love playing with Rob Thomas because Rob Thomas has the light. And then <laughs> I, love, I love playing at Caesar's palace. They also have the light. The light. Within, uh, he's like, we were all just like joking about Santana. That like that that we were we were like crying laughing. So Eric, we got we got a few minutes left, and I yep. know that you have virtually like you've been on tour for basically the last would you say ten years of your life? Fifteen, yeah. Fifteen, yeah. Fifteen years of your life, and yeah. we're on a serious lockdown quarantine. There are no live shows anywhere. I'm assuming you've had several dates that have been uh, canceled. Oh yeah. What's what's the next show on your calendar? Do you think it's going to happen? How have you been handling uh, not performing live? It sucks. Yeah, man. It fucking sucks. I hate it. I'm not even going to pull punches here. I, it's, it totally sucks. I miss it with every fiber of my being. I mean, like, it's been awesome to be home and to finally – this is the first time I've been home for an extended period of time for probably 14 or 15 years because usually I just go right back out on tour or we have a – a weekend show or a fly date or you know there's some reason that i have to leave so this is my first time being home for a, for a while and there's benefits to it but i also you know playing music is what i was born to do and i love doing it and playing live for people is something that gives me immense joy um so it's a, it's, it's a bummer uh you know there's a bunch of scheduled festivals for dr dog but mm-hmm. we have no idea if they'll happen, they, they might just get postponed till, th- till next year and then we'll do them next year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's potentially talk of doing shows in January, but who knows, you know, yeah. um, even if there are shows, there's a really good chance that they're going to be like half capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how are they even going to do that in like a standing room only venue? It's, I, don't, I, I don't see, I don't see. I saw a news report of like some Danish uh, elementary school and they literally just had it roped off like they had kids like to just control kids at like a recess like yeah uh, they had little pods of kids that are allowed to play together uh and it's like they're gonna i think like Bow- you're gonna walk into bowery bowery ballroom it's gonna be like roped off in little sections that you can how i don't know will oh, i'm trying fuck. to fuck i don't know i don't I'm, don't get me started will. i don't feel good yeah. i don't have a my old man and i were talking the other day his he's got me on a my outlook is uh I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I think that we all ha- have to be grateful for what we do have because like, it's a crazy time. And um, I'm also trying to restructure like how I'm going to survive as an artist after, you know, this, yeah. the, the fiscal year 2020. Ends. Well, what's uh, right. Let's talk your, so you have another record that, is it done? Is it, is it going to be released soon? Is it like, what's the status of the, of the next record? It's done. It's mastered. It's coming out in July. Um, I'm really, I, I put my whole butt into it, man. I really did. Yeah. I spent two years on it. 
which yeah. is crazy. Uh, but I'm really happy with it, and uh, I hope people like it. You know, that's all you can do. It's you're, you're, when you release something, you're relinquishing all that control, and however people are going to react to it, that's that's kind of not something I can control. But I'm have super- you released uh, have you released the track list yet for it or any of the song names? No, no, that's coming in a couple of weeks. It's all kind of like you know, I'm keeping it tight. But yeah, there there will be a song out in a very in like three weeks. Yeah. What was the Bullfighter EP? What was that? Was that? Yeah. So that's a string quartet that I it wrote. Was so, it was fucking cinematic, dude. It was beautiful. Like it Thanks. really felt, yeah. it felt like a soundtrack of like I was like, what German film? What you? Know, uh, well, you know, Michael Michael Hackier. What's the? I was like, this Hanukkah. Is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, what yeah, Michael yeah. Hanukkah film is this? Dude? Um. Well, I studied composition for ten years, on and off, like while touring. So I had a composition teacher in West Philadelphia that I would like. If I came off a tour, I would go study with him for a couple of weeks and then go back out and then study and study. So I always wanted to write a, a piece of string music. And this idea just kind of presented itself of writing a string quartet song cycle about the first Jewish American bullfighter. Actually, the first American bullfighter is Jewish. So um, and I'm my family's Jewish. Like, so Like George Mikan. Who's that? He's the first uh, Jewish basketball player. He's like the first superstar in the NBA was a Jew. Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm a, I married. I'm not Jew. I'm I'm one percent. I did my my 23 and me, but I married a Jew, and I'm you know it's something that I take very. Uh, and 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 she's just like it's cold. It's hot. It's cold. The window. No, I'm in it just for the uh, for the slang, Yiddish slang, dude. I'm kapachka. I say, I'm, yeah, dude, I can, I'm spilkies. I got spilkies. I got spilkies all the time. Uh, you know, I'm full of spilkies, dude. Um, well, yeah, so this record that I'm about to put out is, like, if those two records are kind of more dark and brooding, like, this thing I'm about to put out put out is, like, very much, like, an accessible version of everything that I like. Man, um, I can't wait to hear it, man. Yeah, I, I, really, so, I really, I've been really enjoying, I love the solo record. And then, like, I listened to, to the Bullfighter record tonight while I was cooking dinner, and I was like, it was sweeping. You know, like I'm like making fucking pork fried rice and it was just like, there's, I was like in the kitchen by myself and I was like, I don't know. I felt like I was like, I was like trying to find my light, trying to find. Then you just cut the nipples out of your shirt and you were like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, my day today was, uh, I was, I mean, I'm at my in-laws place in Savannah, Georgia and I sat by the marina and I was taking in, I took in the bullfighter and I'm just, I'm reading and I'm like, wait a minute, what's this band Lithuania? And then I put, I go into Spotify and I fucking listened to Lithuania, and I hit my car hit seventy miles per hour. Yeah, as Will, I'm going through this, Will this stop little, seventy miles I'm, per hour. <laughs> listen, but the, the, the speed limit right here is twenty five. Hell and yeah, I'm zip, I'm zipping, lifting, listening to Lithuania. I'm like, where has this music been all my life? That band fucking rules. Dude. Thanks, that's man. Like that's me, that's me and my best friend Dom. Like we, what's that? I listened. Will sent it to me. I was like, this is like. Like post rock, post punk, like the page of the lion. I was like, what the fuck is it? like this? Is like, yeah, it was yeah, so different than anything else that I'd heard from you. So that's like me, that's me and my best friend Dom. I mean, we just like, you know, he sings a song, I sing a song. It's kind of like the same setup as Dr. Dog, where it's like Scott and Toby, you know, each are separate songwriters, but they come together to have the band. And, um, yeah, it's so funny, man. Like, I work really hard on all these records and I feel like they definitely have flown under the the radar <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> so when people are like, what's Lithuania? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's this thing I worked like super hard on, you know, or like, 
and and same with the solo stuff you know it's definitely taken a minute for um people to notice but i'm glad that you guys like it i mean i i do it it takes up a lot of brain space for sure <laughs> so where can people um buy these records uh so that you get the most money and then you can yeah is there a band camp is there a band oh, band camp all the way band camp is the is the best i mean band um, camp friday Dude, Hell yeah, man. Wait I for Bandcamp Friday or do what are you tell them what to do. I shouldn't tell no, them. No, no, Bandcamp is the way. I mean, Spotify is fine too, but you know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> well, you, you get like one you get checks for, 19, for every you get checks for 19 cents. Like, I get you checks. For, you know, it's funny because like, yeah, I get checks annually for like maybe 50 bucks. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. I'm gonna like Get a nice pizza. <laughs> yeah, a really good pizza. Like gourmet. Wait, Money I have, thanks, Lithuania. Yeah. I have, a, uh, I have a, a Philly question. Do you ever go to the Fountain Porter? Do you ever go to the bar, the Fountain Porter in South Philly? No, I don't even know what that is. It's just a bar. They play great records there. And my buddy lives around the corner. And it's whenever I'm there for like, I go down and I, go, I love Philly. And uh, I'll go down for shows or to hang out. And he always takes, he lives right around the corner. Fountain Porter. Down, it's like I'm. I don't know. This is not that important. Um, but they play great. They play good. The only reason I brought it, they play great records. They, like it's a good, it's a good dive bar. Okay, like good. I'm not, maybe next time I can travel to Philadelphia. Hopefully, soon. <laughs> uh, what a great way to end a wonderful. Yeah. Interview. <laughs> uh, hey, you, ever bar, you ever go to that bar? You ever go to that bar? Well, I'm gonna, you, gonna you, end it on a on a funnier note, and maybe like, oh, you know. Another favorite Ween story, and maybe fans know this, maybe fans don't know this, but like uh, I was friends with them as they were recording and finishing La Cucaracha and uh, Friends EP. And uh, we one night we were talking about the song The Party, which you had mentioned. You've played The Party. Your before. Party. Yeah. Your Party. Well, we yeah. Played yeah. It, yeah. Sorry, Your Party. The party. <laughs> Will's, Whatever. Will's, Will's a fucking <laughs> Will's a great Will's a song. I mean, watch yourself. It's a great song. But... Um, Mickey was telling me the story about how they're like, you know what the song is missing is some like shitty, cheesy saxophone. This was before anybody was doing like sexy sax jokes. Like this was yeah. way before that. They're like, it'd be funny if there was sax on the song. And then, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Weiss, who produces all the great Ween records was like, we should get David Sanborn to the play. David Sanborn. The yeah. David Sanborn. Do you know the story? I know the story, but, but tell, because I don't know if everyone does. Okay, so he's like, we're going to get the David, like, the David Sanborn on the track. And they're like, well, like, let's reach out to his manager. So they, Ween's manager, uh, Pat Fry, reaches out to David Sanborn's manager, and David Sanborn's manager is like, eh, David's really busy. Um, nah, he's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, five minutes later, they get a call back, and it's, it's like, hello, this is David Sanborn. <laughs> and he like was apparently calling from like his convertible or something. They're calling from his convertible. And he's like, this is David Sanborn. I want to do the track. I love Ween. Ween's one of my favorite bands. Whoa. <laughs> Six-time Grammy Award winnings, David Sanborn. And, and so he records the track. And if you'll notice, at the very end, he's doing like, dun -dun 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 -dun, and then he, uh, he messes up. At the very end, there's like a little squeak, and they. Oh, I don't know. And this. it's just kept on the record, like, <laughs> like it, it's like, and it's like David <laughs> messes up on the song. It's 
brilliant. Like the fact that they kept it is like chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably cracking up when they kept it too. Like <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. It's so good. Uh, so uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of the patrons of John and Peter's passed away and they held like a funeral concert service and Mickey called me and was like, Hey, can you come up and do this? And I was like, yeah. And we actually ended up doing like a mini ween set, which was really cool. There's a bootleg of it circling around, but I got to like play Buckingham green. And so in a way I did finally get to play like a yeah. show, but it's still Eric, as far as I'm concerned, you, you were in ween. It's in your bio. Yeah. You look at your Wikipedia. It's there. I know. I know. Yeah, you, I just wanted to play one show. I just want to play one show. In some ways, it's probably a better life story to be invited to be in Ween and then never have to really do it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) And do and be in Doctor Dog, Dira. You know, like. But there's like there's a part of me that wants to be side stage at a Ween show with like my sticks in my hand, just like ready, and they're like, yeah, like like side stage with a guitar, like (laughs) I'm ready. Put me on. Uh, I have one more question before. Is Double D the nicest guy? He seems like such a nice guy. Is Drywitz like just the nicest guy on the planet? The, the best. He seems the, like he's the, got the, the nice best. smile. He's, I've seen him. In, I saw him like with his like uh, like three. He's probably too nice. Yeah, he's too nice. Too nice. Yeah. He's suspiciously nice. The thing I love <laughs> about Dave and Dave, he's just like a solid as a rock. You know, like one of the best bass players I've ever played with. One of the best people I've ever played with. Like, for basically responsible for like who I am you know like Dave and I hung out a lot and I love that whenever he plays a show no matter how big or small he has a fucking cassette recorder and he records the shows on cassette and then like we'll jam them on the drive home in his Subaru like oh my we like we would play Crescent Moon sets we, we played probably 50 60 Crescent Moon shows together at various places and dive bars in New York um but he would always record the show and then he would drive me home to Philly because I couldn't drive <laughs> and we'd listen to it and he'd be like, that was real good. Slick. Like that was a good show. Oh man. Eric, thank Love you so Dave. much. For doing yeah, this, man. man. Eric, thank you so much, dude. Cheers. Y'all. Thank anytime, you for anytime. 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 Oh. We're every Wednesday we're here. I'll be a regular. Usually, usually we have Katie, who's the most charming of the three of us. And then we have Evan, who's a real son of a gun. Stick in the mud, yeah. Well, um, and uh, Eric, put in a good word with us for the band, because our goal is to get them on this show. <laughs> we were um, real quick. The Red Rock show a couple of years ago, we uh-huh. were like through like Osiris is like a Osiris Media is you know it's Tom Marshall from Fish. It's like yeah. they've got some clout. They've got like some some podcast. Like, you know they've got they <laughs> they built a pretty amazing thing in the last couple of years. And when we were, I was going to Red Rocks and it was like, you know, we were talking to Osiris about like, can we get like a, a pass or like, we, we don't, no guarantee just like backstage or maybe like take some photo. I don't know. Like we didn't, I mean, we were a little naive too. of just like, can we just, can I, basically I just wanted to go backstage at Red Rocks. Yeah, sure. um, and then like, and they're all like, yeah, it's going to be, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And then like, oh, I think like two days before the show, they're like, what, we people finally got back and they're like, what is this? Like, what? who are you? What are you? <laughs> no, no. Well, we're coming yeah. to heaven. Well, yeah, you, dude, well, now, yeah. now I know. Well, it's funny because, like, um, obviously I'm familiar with Analyze Fish 
I'm familiar. Like I know we about stole, Harris. We but completely also, stole yeah. the idea. I mean, yeah. we, we totally fine. Rip Harris, <laughs> love Harris all the way, dude. dude R.I.P. Yeah. Foam Corner okay. is my, you know, I live for Foam Corner. Oh, dude, Foam Corner. Uh, favorite Harris Whittles joke is um, I don't like smoking sections except when they're in the movie The Mask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dude, I listened to the one the other day where he's talking about what when is it do? wrong? When is it wrong to stop jerking off to the memory of a, like if you if you're jerking off to the memory of like. A teenage girl you hooked up with like when does that become like pedophile and then like they go deeper in Chelsea Peretti keeps asking and it like turns out that she's dead like the girl that gave him a hand job <laughs> is fucking dead <laughs> like, it's, oh. it goes so it's so good oh. or or when he says um wheat thins I don't like I don't want wheat thins I want wheat thicks give me that wheat <laughs> give me that wheat <laughs> Give me that weed. Give me that weed. Corner. Give me the phone. Um, the phone. But I, I'm I'm proud of you, and I'm proud that you're trying to convert somebody into a Ween fan. I definitely didn't know nothing about Ween until I became part of their world, and I can't say enough good things about Ween. I, I, I think they're one of the best bands ever, for sure. Yeah. Come on. There it is. There it there is. There it is. Oop, there it is. All right, Eric. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank thanks. You. Paul, play us out to Whoop. There it is. Whoop! There. Uh, okay, I was gonna play. Do some, I was gonna play Doctor Dog, but I'll play no. Some. Put on whoop! There it is. Real quick, actually, uh, real quick before I play it, my dad used to go. My dad like remixed that song, uh, and he would go whoop. Bukowski. No, no, no. He goes. He goes. So Eric, some, my dad's not as righteous. My dad is righteous, but he's not like he. My dad like took a turn at some point where. He could have gone your dad's route. Like he had long hair, looked like Jesus. Yeah. Catholic school guy in the seven, like sixties. Like went to poor, you know, grew up poor. Went to uh, Seton Hall on a full, full scholarship, but then like went to Dartmouth, math major, got like a corporate job, like and sold out. You know, did his thing, but whatever. Sure. He, Classic. but he loves, uh, he loves like in my house it was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Gutkowski. Like he would harmonize to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and he actually could. He could sing. Okay. Um, but he, he, so he loves music. He's like, but when that song came, when whoop, there it is came out, like and he got wind of it. He would, he would walk around the house and go, whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. And my, it drove my family. Like I loved it. I fucking loved it. My mom though was like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Like, I mean, whoop, there it is was a big deal. You know, that, that song was a big deal. Who doesn't love whoop, there it is. Point blank, chain of juice I drank in, bent and bent as a puff on dank. Rock the mic, uh-oh, I crave skin rip. Find a honey dip to dip it in, slam dunk it, stick it, flip it and ride that B-double-O-T-Y, oh my. Ooh, that's it, come on, come on, whoop, there it is, I'm done. This podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.